0: From Bravery Media, this is Thought Feeder. My name is Joel Goodman. With me, as always, is the dirigible John Stephen Stansel. Is, can we use that That's as a dirigible? Can it's a we? Now. It's a noun. You also. Call me a blimp, Joel. <laughs> Well, just that you float, you know. <laughs> it's a type of blimp. No, it's fine. Uh But with me, yeah, is John Steven Stansel. And if he's not floating now, maybe he will be later, Um, I hope. And we're very, very excited to have our friend Andrew Castle back on the show. Last time, we talked about Twitch. And, you know, Andrew, the thing... May, well. I don't know, maybe not the maybe not the one thing I appreciate most about you, but one thing that I do appreciate about you is that you're always out there on like the frontier edges of what we're doing with community building and social media and and you know whatever social media is going to morph into in the future and it's always a joy to have you on the show and and always a joy to talk with you even if you're not on the show so thanks for being here again it's my
1: pleasure thank you so much for including me in your programming
0: definitely we are uh going to talk about uh i think probably a lot of the conversation's going to focus around Mastodon but you know in in our in our way of being timely with world events and topics happening uh, we wanted to focus this episode around the turmoil happening in uh, on, on Twitter as a platform and, uh, and, and maybe like scope it just in general to the landscape of all of the various platforms that higher ed has uh, accumulated over the years uh, and how effective we are. But but maybe, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to necessarily solve a lot of things in this conversation, but hopefully get folks thinking about what the what the future could look like and where where we can go Um, So, yeah, let's Andrew, like give us like a short rundown of your uh, reaction, I guess, to everything that's been that's been happening in the world of, uh, you know, what would have been called short form blogging back when uh, Twitter first launched. Micro blogging. Uh, (laughs) Micro blogging. That's right. It was micro because I think Tumblr was actually short form, wasn't it? Uh, Twitter was the the super, super smaller one. But
1: are we going to start to talk about Tumblr? That's exciting. I mean, I've had Tumblr for about 11 years now. I love Tumblr. Dusted it off again in the past. Anyway, you asked about uh, the bird site, as we on Mastodon call it. <laughs> um, so in uh, October, as Elon Musk's takeover, of has he walked into that building with carrying that sink, asking us to let it sink in, um, I was able to talk with um, a researcher who works at the Middlebury Institute. Uh, I work at Middlebury College, has many uh, connections throughout the world in global affairs. And this is a researcher who um, studies radicalization, online accelerationists, all that sort of stuff that we've heard so much more about um, after the January 6th uh, committee was presenting their findings and having their hearings. And he was describing um, that many people are really concerned about the re-platforming of voices on Twitter that uh, Elon Musk promised to do And we've seen that has happened Where he's granted general amnesty To people who had been banned The former president is, has his voice back On that platform, of course, yay Or ye has ups and downs You know, who knows, he could bribe Elon To get back on there, but it was um, A red alarm, a red flag for me When this researcher who spent so much time On Twitter said, I'm moving away From the platform, I'm going to keep my account There, I don't want people to take my account over But I'm going to use other ways to share and connect and grow community. I was like, well, if this person who studies sort of how these platforms are used is changing, I should look into changing that as well. And I had conversations with my team about when are we going to decide, should we stay on Twitter? And we sort of came up with this idea that if the former president does get replatformed, that is a place that higher ed is no longer sort of friendly. It will rapidly become climate change deniers, vaccine deniers, misinformation spreaders, and we've seen that happening on the platform. And we did not want our content, which has to be trusted, to be seen around and in the event. that Brand safety, I think, is the sort of marketing term for the decisions that we were making about why or we would stay on this platform. So as time went on, I started looking at uh, Mastodon, as an option for the Twitter work that I was doing and to really explore what is this platform all about. And you mentioned the other platforms that higher ed has accumulated (laughs) over the years uh, and then maybe found success with or not paid attention to. And so as I first entered the Fediverse, which is the term, the genre for the federated servers like Star Trek the federation of planets where each planet has its own government and culture, but this there's a collaboration and cooperation and, self-defense that goes on. You'll come to the aid of your federated planet. That is a good metaphor for how the Fediverse works, to sort of wrap your mind around what is the Fediverse. It's like the Federation. And each server has its own identity and sort of community and vibe. And then they all work together to create this decentralized area. So Joel, JS, listeners out there, I'm going to say something that is... JS likes to get people riled up. I'm going to give a hot take right now. <laughs> We've become so lazy in the work that we do for higher ed. We have become mere organic components in the work of the algorithm, the AI, and the machine learning models that drive those platforms. At High ed Web earlier this year, was in a session hosted by the amazing Josie Alquist, all about our feelings and vibes to make sure that we're all doing okay. And in that session, we were asked to say, what would we forgive ourselves for? What are we worried about? What, what, what can we let go? And a lot of people posted in this anonymous posting that they didn't feel there was purpose in their work. They didn't know why they were doing it. What is the point of this work that we are doing? And I think that's the feeling of what role do we play in the storytelling that we're doing? If we're just shoveling content into the AI to put out there, then we are our jobs are one step away from being automated. The RSS can grab that news post, turn it into something, and then post on whatever platform that we want to do. But when I started looking at how to work in the Fediverse to create community from nothing that did not have an algorithm associated with it, that I didn't get those so comforting metrics of impressions and reach that even if a piece of content didn't get a like or a comment or any sort of engagement, I could still look at it and be like, well, I reached 3,000 people with that, knowing in my heart that's meaningless. But the work of social networking that developing a, a community and identity on a server in the Fediverse was such a breath of fresh air for me, re energized the stuff that I was doing in my everyday efforts. Because now I had to really think about the hashtags that I was using, because on Mastodon servers, that's how you find other people other content to share other accounts to follow
0: i've i've had that same experience and so i i mean i created a mastodon account years ago when you know it first kind of cropped up and then didn't use it cuz like cuz <laughs> cuz there there it was it was i don't know i probably should have just tried it out but i think like like you andrew i have i personally moved away and we've been talking at bravery media about what our role is on Twitter if we have a role there, Uh, because, you know, a a lot like the brand safety stuff you're talking about, we have a lot of those same feelings. Like, do we want to be associated with those things? But for me, diving into Mastodon and me being a Twitter user since, you know, 2007, a, a year approximately after they launched, when the algorithm that they had was very young and was not nearly as robust as what we've dealt with you know the the last 5 years plus uh Mastodon has been a big change going back to that thinking around hashtags and how do you, you know, how do you get what you're talking about heard and it's funny because if you think back to some of the conversations that have centered around the bird site in the last you know year or two it's, well, hashtags, oh, J- J- JS has said this because it's true. Like, oh, hashtags don't really do anything. Why are you putting a hashtag in your in your tweet? Like, why are you making up a hashtag? And like, given like, yeah, probably s- same for making up whatever hashtag. I'm on to some extent, but if you are doing that work of building a wider community and creating uh, a-, a set of common thought processes or beliefs or, you know, shared accountability around a certain topic that you want to have like cool create your own hashtag but also like link it up to other ones so that people will actually find that you know like use other hashtags but it's i mean i noticed just how much i i don't use hashtags anymore on on twitter you, you know on instagram on any of the other platforms that that i have been active on the last several years whereas on Mastodon, you have to otherwise it's like you know, the seven people that uh, that are following you. I, I have a few more people following me, the seven, <laughs> but the seven people that are following you are the only ones that will see your your posts. And yeah, it's it's just a, it's an interesting paradigm shift from what we're used to.
1: Joel, the thing that I've sort of as I've been exploring how to get that content seen. That's the, that's the, it's the, there's three layers of the feeds of, of Fediverse that have become fascinating to me how to navigate that. The home feed of people that I follow, the local feed of people on my server in my instance, and then the federated feed of things that have grabbed the attention. Not quite an algorithm, but what people in my uh, home and my local feed have been engaging with to bring it over. And that sort of step. So you have your house for your home feed, the local feed, your neighborhood, and then like your county or your national region, which is the federated feed. And so it is those concentric circles of content, like how do I get it to the next one? And how do I get it to the next one? And then how do I explore that place to find things that I want to boost? And there's so much there. Like, but let's, let's take a, a, a big step back. <laughs> I was
2: waiting for this. <laughs> One of the biggest complaints I see about Mastodon is the learning curve to get on and get started and find communities and whatnot. So let's step back to Mastodon 101, right? Uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm a university social media manager and I'm thinking about it. I've never touched Mastodon. What do I need to know
1: right off the bat. The first thing you need to know right off the bat is this is not going to be easy. You're going to need to allocate time in your schedule, a little bit of time every single day to just get frustrated with it. Because as you said, it does have a learning curve. It is work. You're going to be faced. If you log on, you want to find, you want to start a Mastodon server for your institution, or you want to, you want to find one to be on. So you Search Mastodon, and it says, okay, which instance do you want to join? Which server do you want to join? And for this, the thought that I've had is a lot like when you first log on to World of Warcraft, and you're asked, join a server. And they have all these weird names. Like, I don't know who Sylvanas is or, you know, the Horde you know group, whatever. And it's like, does this matter? I just want to play. I just want to get online. I just want to do this thing. So, give yourself the grace to start an experimental account. Pick any general server. They don't have role play servers like
0: World of Warcraft, do they? <laughs> oh yeah, they do. They do. But but JS, like I think this is an important point because I mean this is this is where my skepticism about where Macedon's going, and it may not skepticism. I think it's more like a wait and see because I I think it is a. It's it's a it's an old way of thinking about social media, but one that we are so out of practice with that it's kind of hard to to wrap your brain around this again, like go back in time, you know. But I think you know we struggled with this internally at Bravery because when we were thinking about moving over to Mastodon, I was like, well, what do we do? Do we do we start up our own server? And we know people that have done that, like because it feels weird to me. It feels weird for a brand to be on Mastodon. And Andrew, I'm sure you have thoughts about this, but it feels weird to me for a brand to be on Mastodon. For someone like me that works, you know, like we're more business to business. I'm working with universities. We're not like marketing. We're not working directly with prospective students or students of universities or working with, you know, the the marketing directors or VPs or or presidents or whatever. Um, So like our our actual audience is probably there or at least is starting to be there. But for for other brands like it is i feel like it hasn't really hit critical mass yet where it makes sense to jump in and to me and and andrew maybe you found places in on Mastodon where this feels different but like i think there's a bit of an aversion to brands being within the fediverse because Mastodon has been sort of a reaction to the uh you know, the over of of the algorithms on social media. And so it, it feels almost like it's supposed to be counter marketing, uh, you know, or very anti marketing within that space. And so, like one, like how like as a brand, how do you find a place where you're going to be welcome? And how do you I mean, do you like I, like I, I almost think this goes back to when we all first joined Twitter as individuals and found our communities? Before there were a thousand brands creating, you know, weird you know, weird voices weird brand voices for themselves and being, you know, trying to be Wendy's all the time. Don't get JS started on that. I love Wendy's, by the way. Yeah. It's it's everyone trying to be Wendy's. That's the
1: Joel, you said a lot of things that I want to talk about, but I also want to go back to JS's thing about the one oh one. So you're going if you wanna start, start as your own self first before you launch an account for the place where you work. You need to learn how it works for yourself. You need to sort of understand the culture, the community, just the layers of how it's going to go. The only way to do that is to give yourself professional development time on your calendar. Book your calendar itself if that's a thing that works for you. Block that time out, 30 minutes a day, an hour every week. You know, Give yourself some time to really learn about it. Launch an account for yourself. Pick whatever general instance that you want. You'll start seeing how it all works. You'll see the names of other servers. They are connected as part of your URL and your account name in there. You'll find people that, oh, look at the stuff. When you see a server that interests you, that you're curious about, you can visit that server. You can already look at the local feed of what that server is like. So you can see what content is this neighborhood all about. What are people putting in their yards? What flags are flying from their houses? What decorations do they have for the the holidays out there what do they believe in are there wild dogs running around the street or is every house mowed and neat and nice and you can wave to your neighbor you can find that out a little bit just from visiting the local feed of any server and then you can also visit the federated feed that goes along with that server so you might think the neighborhood is nice but it feels a little sketchy if you visit the federated feed for that server you can see all like oh I really don't want to be in this place and one of the things that each server Server lists is you can block a whole server so you visit the place that is full of all of these voices you don't want to be you can find out oh this server is interesting are they allowing those voices to be seen and heard in this neighborhood no great so there's much more control and the thing that I have said about Mastodon as I've started to explore it and spend time there personally it's not who you follow it's who you block You see a voice in your local feed, you don't like it, block it. There's no culture of like, ooh, they did something wrong. At that first time you see it, you don't like it. Don't give them another chance. Create the home feed that you want. So 101 start a server, start an account on an instance that just is there. You don't know why. You can migrate later. So pick if you find a neighborhood you like, migrate your stuff over there. There are ways to bring all your followers with you. There's sort of issues with content, doesn't necessarily follow you over there. You can also create alias accounts like, oh, I liked it here, but I have so many things over here. I'm going to post on this one. It's going to show up in this other place. So for a 101 of getting an introduction to yourself of Mastodon, give yourself the grace of patience. Realize it's going to be work. Take that professional development time that you might, it's very, very precious time, but well worth spending. Because at the core of the work that we do in higher ed, creating communities, sharing the stories and the success of our students and our faculty and our staff members, we want it to be in a place that's full of respect, joy, and support. Twitter is losing those elements, even within your silo that you have on Twitter. Mastodon is all, in the Fediverse, is all about positivity. Accessibility is front and center in the Fediverse. When you post a piece of content on there, it automatically wants you to add alt text to your image. It sort of reminds you very harshly if you haven't done that. And the culture of the Fediverse is also like, where is your alt text? Please include alt text. I've never seen on a social networking networking, or social media site the amount of people who are like, use camel case in your hashtags, please. This is what it looks like. So, accessibility, welcomeness, and support is all about what I have found in the Fediverse. It takes time to learn. The 101 is have patience and grace. Do not expect it to be like any other social media platform that you have used, embrace its newness. Embrace your own creativity and exploration and go for it. Joel, the things that you had just said, I didn't make (laughs) notes about it, but I'm going to try to remember because one of the things that you talked about was there was an article in The Atlantic. It was either earlier this week or late last week talking about how social media is coming to the end and it never should have started. And it was this. That
0: was uh, that was an Ian Bogost uh, article, right? Man, I'm, I'm a bit.
1: I'm a fanboy, and but hit yeah. that piece is <laughs> spot on, and really reminded me of the difference between social media and social networking, and how much we have been doing social media as our brands. That we are out there being like, we are publishers, we are media content creators, we are part of this performance culture. And that's what feels so weird for us in higher ed, because we can't have that, I am such a creator, I'm so brilliant, look at all my stuff, follow me, I'm trying to be an influencer in these spaces. And the social media part of it, and JS, you have really embraced a media company that you work for. You get to share those stories. It's natural for you to be on social media because media is what you do. But for higher ed, we're not a media producer. We are trying to say, look at this great information. If if there's any media that we're trying to produce, it's to talk about the great opportunities that await you at these places to come and study and learn from. Opportunity isn't a product. It's not a thing. You can't really sell it. I, I talk about that all of the time. But the other thing about brands being welcome in the Fediverse, and J.S., I want to say this to you, that I have totally reversed how I feel about Be real and brands being in Be real In my Be real feed, I had a couple of higher ed places that wanted to be my Be real friend. I was like, sure, let's see what this is oh, like. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> and so I accepted them into my B-Real, and when I see them in my B-Real friends feed, I just feel so icky. I just don't like it. It's a much different feeling than I've had with any other social network or social platform. I didn't mind seeing that stuff on Instagram or on Twitter or on, or any of those other places, even on Pinterest, things like that. But for some reason in B-Real, so JS, you're you're absolutely right. It's not a place for us, in my opinion, right now. And I've told my team at first, I was like, I'm going to find some B-Real ambassadors. We're going to be out there. It's going to be great. We're going to tell authentic stories. And then I saw them in my feed and I'm like, No. <laughs> Don't want that anymore. It's the first time that I've had to step back from that. The Fediverse is a different little feeling because if you can be authentic about the information that you are sharing in the communities where you share it, it can be welcome and can get boosted. If you have researchers on your campus that are doing really interesting science, science, Share that news release, share those fieldwork pictures, share those. Sense of place, I agree. Not necessarily great marketing in the Fediverse. Information about what's going on that contributes and enriches a community. That is something that I feel has value. And I did notice someone in one of the feeds that I'm exploring. Someone said, It's so great to see some national brands moving over here. I wish my local brands would come over to create these local feeling of community. So as everything evolves, if you go there with the idea of, oh, I'm going to show my Instagram takeover pictures here, I don't think that's going to really vibe with the community.
0: So I almost feel like, Andrew, that this is a... It, well, it could be I, there are a lot of caveats here, but I think there this could be a way to correct the mistakes that we made in our learning how to social uh, as brands on Twitter over the last decade. Right. So like all the things that, you know, JS has has um, very rightly pointed out as being not good practice for institutions on things like Twitter, maybe on Instagram, like it feels like this mastodon or, or at least federated, federated social media in general is a way for us to maybe take a step back from why are we just posting news stories? Why are we posting flyers? Why are we posting this stuff? And maybe move toward the practices that we have on, you know, on visit days on campus or the practices that our actual, uh, admissions uh, ambassadors or admissions counselors practice when they go out to a fair and are talking to people one-on-one and sharing those as individuals versus just broadcasting everything out. And And I think that's the, going back to that, that tension between social media and social networking, right? It's that the broadcast medium of social media is very, very different from the trust building that happens when you have one-to-one and what we've seen on twitter is that the one to one connection that brands have is usually customer service. It's it's delta like coming back at me when i've complained about a delayed flight and saying hey dm us and we'll see what we can do. Like okay, that's cool. But how is that any different than me picking up a phone and talking to a customer service agent? It's just an easier it's like chat like you know and and that's not the same thing as social networking
1: you're absolutely right and js has talked about that in his red stapler award winning <laughs> presentation the the customer service aspects of social media seeing what your audience members are creating on their own resharing that this performing that they want to do for the creators of something that they love that they're fans of the cosplays the fan art the all no one's cosplaying middlebury college you know, wearing a sweatshirt is not cosplaying the institution. It's showing brand affinity, which is very helpful.
2: Sometime, let me tell you the story of when I ended up with the mascots account and ended up talking to
1: a lot of furries. <laughs> That's a different... We'll have a beer. We can talk. <laughs> but, Joel, I think you're 100%... Absolutely correct. And that is why this is such a paradigm shift for the work that we do for higher ed. It is like you are not doing the work that you think you are doing. If you are coming in there, I'm a content creator. I'm going to become an influencer. This is where I learned what social media is, and I'm going to bring these skills over to tell the story of the place that I maybe I went to school and now I just got hired because, oh, you know social media. You've been posting on Instagram for four years. Of course you're going to come over here in the marketing communications office. Those people are probably very talented, really important voices to hear, and can bring a lot to any team that they're a part of. But the fractures that you're talking about are becoming more and more apparent and something that we should embrace. That's where, where my, my concern is with
2: like not just Mastodon with with Hive and all of these other Twitter replacements is that we have people are not jumping ship from Twitter and going to a single location. Right. You know, they are some are going to Mastodon, some are staying on Twitter, some are spending more time on Instagram or even LinkedIn. So our audiences are kind of dispersing, they're fracturing. And at in higher ed, as a social media manager, there's only so many hours in the day and so many places you can be and do well. Where should higher ed social media man- managers be spending their time? Is it? Is it, I mean, I, you make a good case for Mastodon, but how can a social media manager, higher ed social media manager, evaluate where they need to be in spending their time?
1: Never before have we had a chance as social media higher ed managers to say, I'm just going to stop one. And refocus on all the things I'm already doing. I'm going to reclaim that time that I've been creating and scheduling content for this one social media platform and focusing on all the other things that I could be doing. And say, oh, we, we have our Twitter. We're keeping it there. But the t- So I guess the answer, JS, the short answer is don't start anything new. Just lean into what you're already doing. <laughs> And I wish I had more time to do this. I wish I had more time to make this picture pop a bit more. Or I wish I had more time to spend on my YouTube channel. That could always use attention. So it's instead of like, what can I do instead? You've already got, as you say, many other things that you're trying to do already. Just do those
2: things better. I think that makes a good case for at least, and you use this phrase, I've been stealing it from you in your Hyatt web presentation, where you're talking about quitting Facebook and Instagram, of quiet quitting these platforms. Because you have to remember, I don't think an institution can quit Twitter cold turkey. Uh, to the bird app. And there's some, there's a joke about birds in there somewhere, (laughs) but um, because it is on all of those print materials and that stuff has a long kind of half-life. So I think you still have to keep that account open and fresh, but not spending all hours and hours there. So if somebody does stumble upon it, It's not just this zombie site.
1: I've dialed so far back in the stuff that I share on Twitter that if someone goes there and say, when was the last time they posted? Oh, it was about the same time that Elon Musk took over. I think it's just you're right. It's hard to go cold turkey for anything that we have become dependent upon. But I think the only way to sort of think, what would I do without it is to try is to say, "Okay, this week I'm not going to share on Twitter. What does that look like and what does that feel like? It's so hard. I have the account. It's still active. I don't want anybody to take it. I don't want someone to get the name of the college and then use it for bad, bad purposes. So I go and I see and I'm like, what's happening here? Who's this?" And the other part about higher ed community for not resisting leaving Twitter is our faculty members have devoted. If there was one social media platform that we knew faculty used, it's that one, Twitter, because their, their peers were there. They'd go to a conference and they'd be in the back channel of that. They'd talk about their papers and their accomplishments and get people hired and find all that. So they really use it in a way they don't use other platforms. And for them, it's really, really hard to face maybe not being able to use it. Uh, how do you quiet quit it? Is it one post a day rather than scheduling five posts a day? Is it so those are all important conversations to have and quiet quitting may be more comfortable than going cold turkey on the bird site. I found it more existentially
0: difficult to quit the bird site than I did like Facebook. And like I haven't been on Facebook. I have I have an account on Facebook, but I haven't been active on Facebook in three or four years at this point. And I, I might dive in once a week if I remember to like look at a group that I'm in, but I, it's not top of mind. And Twitter was a lot harder because that, that was, that was my network, right? Like that was where I was at, but shifting a lot of that, I don't not even shifting all that effort. I mean, I've dialed back a lot on what I, what I personally post in general, but moving more towards LinkedIn for professional stuff, which LinkedIn has problems but they have a huge opportunity to fix a lot of those problems. And I think even I think those of us as people that are not even just like professional like like social media pros, but people that are that have been on social media a long time and I guess are like personally pros, you know, at our own brands, like we actually have the opportunity to fix a lot of LinkedIn stuff by sharing more personal type of content that we might have other places. And Mastodon has been a place where I'm not as active on there as I was on Twitter, but I have found more value in the conversations that I've had with people there than I have found on Twitter in a long, long time.
1: I believe we are in a room right now with someone who has been held up as one of the best creators on LinkedIn recently. It's definitely definitely one of the most plagiarized, (laughs) (laughs) which is Uh, why I'm on LinkedIn. (laughs) So I've also had a similar experience with LinkedIn, but JS probably has much more insight on developing a a brand and an account and a personality on LinkedIn uh, as an alternative to Twitter.
2: I'm still playing with it. And my my rationale for getting on on it and spending more time, was before Elon, was just the fact that I was getting plagiarized so much on LinkedIn. People were taking my tweets, either screen capping them and not giving me credit for it, which, you know, wh- whatever, my name's still there, or just blatantly cutting and pasting and, and and putting it on there. So I was like, well, you know what? I, I, I'm glad you like my, my post, but I want that sweet, sweet engagement all to myself, right? You know, <laughs> like I, I, I want those numbers. So I started copying and pasting my, my tweets on to, to, to LinkedIn. And the LinkedIn was full yeah, of thieves. They were they were taking, you know. Content of mine and and, Those and bastards. Yeah, I know, I know. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to start doing this. My, you know, putting my own stuff on there and and reformatting my tweets using linkedin language (laughs) a little bit more like oh are are those are are those hard returns actually working (laughs) is tacking all those hashtags at the end really helping so if you see me doing stuff on linkedin a lot of times that you kind of cringe about i'm just experimenting but i like the platform a lot i think there is more opportunity for organic reach and engagement there but my problem at, at personal use of it is it still doesn't replace Twitter as a place to stumble upon new people and new ideas, and also share my human side too, like along with my professional side. It, on On Twitter, I feel very comfortable. Like, okay, here's three posts about social media management. Here's a pic of my kid. I'm really excited about seeing the new, you know, Star Wars movie. Uh, you know, you can't. You're really kind of locked into
0: tangentially workplace related on on linkedin linkedin really like embodies that like performative thing that we were talking about earlier right and and it's all like performing as a professional like oh yes i am business person that does business things and here are my business thoughts i'm thinking about about writing
2: a post right now of, of just like inspirational quote or story followed by professional looking photo of myself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that, that being the post, you know, because that's there's so much of that because it feels weird. Like I want to I want to figure out if like posting photos of yourself actually increases your reach. But I don't really want to put this like lengthy. Oh, here is my inspirational story and blah, blah, blah. Because It just feels like the punk rock kid inside of me. Just like. <laughs>
0: Oh, it hurts. (laughs) I'm overjoyed to announce that I have decided that I am going to post this post with a great picture of me. And the last two years of not posting these photos have been amazing. And I want to thank everyone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think LinkedIn is moving away from that. I think you are getting more human. People are like
1: going, yeah, that's cringe. Let's not do that. The LinkedIn... as i was i was in a conversation talking about linkedin and someone described it as an office party and i thought that felt spot on like you go to your office party you're wearing not office clothes but it's still you're all your office mates and you've got to put on a different sort of attitude yeah yeah and you're still yourself you're just a, you've code switched to be office self. And so LinkedIn is definitely code switching. Be like, how can I still tell these things? And you're absolutely right, J.S., I've had that same feeling of, it's not like, oh, here's my cat. LinkedIn doesn't care about my cat unless I run a veterinarian service. I think I might try a little bit about that because that's
2: one thing I love about, about Twitter is like you can follow your professional peers and learn who they are as people and not just resumes. And like, I want to see photos of your cat, Andrew. I don't, I, you know, I love to hear about your work because one, you're incredibly enthusiastic and it, it's, it's energizing to hear you talk about it, but also like as a person, like I want to hear about the, the, the plays that you're in and I want to hear about, you know, your cat and all that. Think the cool things I see you doing on, on what, what drinks you're having. And Joel, I want to see about your, your gin advent calendar and all these things <laughs> that you can't see on, on, on LinkedIn and I think we lose something about that. And there's that, that connection that even professional connections that you can make of like one reason why I work in the entertainment industry now is because I tweeted about social media in addition to tweeting about comic books and nerdy stuff that, that I liked. And if I can't do that on LinkedIn, I don't think I would I would be able to, to, to people would see me and go, oh, OK, oh, he, JS, he, he's a social media manager and he likes comic books. So let's hire him for this.
1: That's you could the Fediverse would love to see all those things. You can find me and see some of that content at uh, abcastle at home.social, which is. <laughs> the-
0: <laughs> well, so so I, that actually leads leads us to something that I have been thinking about while we've been having this conversation. And this kind of like the practicalities of of federate. Like we'll talk about Mastodon because that's like the prime example of federated social social networking at this point. But the you know, you talk you talked to earlier, Andrew, about the you know, like the neighborhood and like finding the server that's like that. Like if we're talking about if we're talking about, say, like a, a, a university's admissions office or, or, or a college's admissions office wanting to move into federated social media like this. What are the practicalities around that? Like th- there's a part of me that thinks and, and and this is we had this discussion internally at Bravery when when we were kind of mulling over what we were going to do and where we were going to focus more of our social time at. But the th- there's a part of me that thinks like you almost need to have two accounts. And I don't like this approach because I think it's wrong. Uh, but it feels like one, I think a lot of times, at least to me, the servers feel like you're kind of. You're identifying as something very specific or something super general, right? And so, like, I bake bread. Uh, like a baking a baking server would be awesome to be a part of. But does that? Do I want that to be my home base as a Mastodon user? In the same way that would, uh, you know, uh, an, an at you know Middlebury.edu server be like something that makes sense for for your, for like, I guess, like professional accounts. Right. But like, you don't really want to manage two different, I mean, I guess, I mean, guess I like social media managers do that right now, but if we're talking <laughs> about that <laughs> yeah, more than two, right. Uh, but if we're talking about this idea of, of like de-emphasizing brand as a, as a profile and emphasizing brand through individual expression of it. So maybe it's your admissions counselors have, a have a profile on your college or university server and they're going out into the Fediverse to other places and talking about it. How do we f- like I don't know, like this is just an idea and I don't know that I like how it works and I don't know that it's the way that it should work. And I don't know that we can answer that question either. But like what do you do when. Or, I don't know. How how should we go about thinking about this? I don't know that there's an answer to it. Yeah, I don't know that you have an answer to it, Andrew. But
1: I'll tell you the answer that I sort of came up with thinking about that, Joel. And it, it was one of the things that I sent this yeah. joke email to, lighthearted, I should say, to um, uh, collaborator coworker in the ITS department that was of the Mastodon's documentation thing about creating your own server and so I sent him an email I was like <laughs> I'm not really serious about this but look we could create our own federated server uh, inside uh, the Fediverse for a Mastodon connection and then as I spent more time on the platform I realized that that was actually the best idea and the possibilities yeah. of creating yeah. our own hosted server—that is, you need to there's single sign-on. You can there's all these things that you could get. You know, you have to apply to get in there. You have to have a verified email. So I think to answer your question, the very general idea, yes, institutions will have to create their own federated server. And as I was thinking about that idea. It became, I got so excited about it because we talk all the time. How can we get our own, how can we break down silos? It's one of the things that higher ed has always struggled with. This puts everybody in one silo to communicate with each other. Everybody in that local feed will be from your place. And you can have, like you said, you can have a couple of accounts and maybe you can start sharing some of those ideas and the things that are moving you and exciting you inside that place. Suddenly you're learning what faculty like, what they're doing outside, the things that they want to share. You're seeing, you're connecting with students, you're connecting with staff members. Usually when anybody who wants to use this place and getting anybody to use a social networking is already difficult. But I think it is that way. Create your own. Because who do you join? Fortunately, as Middlebury, I was able to yeah. get an account on Mastodon.social. So it has that sort of, when I was talking to a coworker, he was like, well, we're you on the main one. And I was like, well, there really is no main one. But yeah, we're on the main one, I guess, if you want to think of it in that way. Yeah. No, because no, then gee. it won't look so silly. Yeah. But if you're at you know, Yale at GoofyServers.social, you don't want that. That's part of your brand safety. So there is a little bit of a, the, the fracturing, I think, is a good sort of theme for this conversation. Fracturing hurts, it takes time to recover, and time to heal. The places that we have been sharing and have gotten used to and so comfortable and lazy, I'm going to use that again because I keep coming back to that, we've just become so lazy. This is like taking a sledgehammer to that and busted it up. And now what do you do? I want to cling to what I knew before. We can't do that. As JS mentioned, I'm also a big fan of narrowing and your scope of what you're sharing on Facebook and Instagram. Meta is a bad company for us. We don't want to be there. Twitter is a bad place for our brands to be safe with no COVID misinformation messages that are going out now on Twitter. They actively are stopping that. Do you want your health accounts to show up in a place where there is no trustworthiness. It's going down all of the time. Brands are there. Why they're still there, it's, it takes time to really figure out where you wanna be. You have to have those important discussions. There is no one to one change. You can't just switch over to another place. It takes a lot of time and effort. And it might be best to not worry about it. When we all started, it was do we need to, we fought like hell to get Facebook accounts. We should have a Facebook account for the school. It's a great way to reach people. The kids are on there right now. That's where we should be. Back in 2012, we're telling the people that we work with. And they're like, Facebook, I don't know if we need to go there now. If you were to say to someone, which I have, we shouldn't have a Facebook anymore. We absolutely need a Facebook, 100%. The times change, best practices change, and ideas change. This is a great chance to really really think about where you are maybe twitter isn't the only one that you dial down maybe it's a chance to really look at all of the places that you're all the different social tactics that you're using to achieve your goals what are we really trying to do here have we gotten so deep down into the swamp of what everybody else is doing that we can't that just makes me think of that scene from the you know, never-ending story. Was it anyway? Um, <laughs> we're the horse. We are the horse, and the Fediverse is trying to drag us out of. Them. <laughs> That's that movie, right? That's that
2: one. Uh, I think it's. Is, is it? Um, it's a different one.
0: I think it's Hero. Heartbreaking scene with a horse trapped in mud. If there was only some like interconnected
1: web of if only we had an information superhighway. That's all to say, how should institutions start? Start with your own individual account managers taking time to explore. Uh, and if, if your manager looks at very closely the time that you spend, say, this is my professional development time. I want to see what this is all about. And they like, okay, maybe you can learn a little bit about that and let us know. Dang
2: it. It is never ending story. I oh, thought it was, uh, I, this is twice on
1: this show. I have like missed a pop culture thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so start exploring your own. Don't try to launch it for yourself. Where we belong on there, we will find those neighborhoods. Make your own neighborhood. Build your own houses. Fill it with your own population. Get people talking to each other. Can you imagine a staff member and a faculty member sharing a space and saying, "Hey, you know, I saw. You know, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Absolutely no problem." And I did want to mention for sure one of the big differences about uh, Mastodon and the Fediverse and Twitter, which has been a source of grave concern for a lot of people. It's on Twitter, we got so used to quote tweeting people. Here's a tweet, I'm adding my insight on it, making a comment on it, doing whatever I'm going to do, and then move on. Mastodon was hardwired to not have that feature. And the creator of Mastodon has talked all about why, basically it boils down to it fosters bullying. That you could quote someone and be like, they're so stupid. Can you believe how stupid they are? And then people that follow the bullier's Twitter feed go and they log on docs and do all that stuff to the person who's being bullied. In the Fediverse, you can favorite something, you can boost something, and then you can comment on that. You can reply to the post. But you can't boost something and quote it. That has been the part that I have found most difficult to adapt to how can I take this piece of content with I agree with and I want to talk about it and I've got to go now I've got to I've got to copy the link for that piece of content and then I've got it comes back to I'm going to use the magic third one of my time saying this I've been so lazy but now it's asking me to do the work it puts the work in social networking and we have not exercised those muscles in a decade and it's hard, it hurts, it's both going to the gym and you get past the gym on one day, you come home and your body is all sore, like I'm never doing that again. And then you lean back in to your Doritos and the kegerator and your Netflix. It's not a one-to-one change. Give yourself time. Where we belong, we're going to explore it. It's a frontier. And what we have found out, it's not the final one, because who knows what's going to come after this. I think that's a great note to, to, to end it on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to Andrew's point, anything, whether or not you think your school needs to create a Mastodon account or server or get into the Fediverse, you need to at least be exploring it and and be familiar with the platform. So when those questions come up, you're familiar with it. So, yes, I, I agree with you 100 percent, Andrew. You need to set aside some professional development time to just. Spend a couple days playing around Mastodon and and, and understanding that, uh, and Hive as well, and all of these little emerging platforms. Not maybe not Hive yet because there's some security issues there. I think I started my account too soon. I'm a little nervous, but like <laughs> you, you need to at, at least like read up on them, uh, listen to a podcast about them, um, and, and 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 know know the ins and outs a little bit. Like like any any social platform before creating one for your your brand. Like, do the research and planning first. And that's what we need to be doing right now. Have the fun, and then you can make it work.
1: So, the, the Fediverse is great. I really believe it is a very, um, a way to move away from uh, algorithm driven corporate-driven, capitalist-driven performance social media and embracing the true spirit of social networking to create an environment where people can connect with things that they're interested in that isn't overshadowed by money.
2: And on that note, Andrew... Where can people find you? Why didn't you plug yourself?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where are you on the Fediverse? Castle at home.social is the server that I have soared, that I've grown my following now. There are over 60 people follow me on there uh, from the past couple of weeks that I've been. Uh, one of the things about the mainlining Mastodon, which I have been doing absolutely, is my girlfriend said to me over the weekend, no screen time, stop it. It's not helping your mental health. Please, please take it. So it gets so like to explore it, give yourself some time. But that's the place where you can find me. AB Castle at home.social.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Thought Feeder. Again, my name is Joel Goodman. John Stephen Stansel is my co-host, and the show is produced by Carl Grashett. We are very, very grateful to you, Andrew Castle, for being on the show again and uh and telling everyone where they can find you in the Fediverse. Thank you so much for being on.
1: It is my pleasure, and hello, Carl. I know you're there and listening. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the background. Uh, if you
0: like our show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a comment and a review on Apple Music or wherever else your podcast app will let you comment and review. Uh, or, you know, just give us a subscribe in Spotify or Google Music or Amazon Podcasts or you know, all the different places because that's where we're at. Uh, you can also visit our website at ThoughtFeederPod.com where we've got back episodes and transcripts for every episode that we have done. We're also on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can still find us on Twitter, but I don't know how exactly uh, active we're going to be there uh, going forward. I know we haven't been super I'm staying lately. till the bitter end. Uh, and, so you know, on you the website...
2: There.
0: Yeah, JS will be there to the bitter end. Uh, you can find me on Mastodon at Joel Goodman at Mastodon.social uh, if you want to say hey. But, you know, we're all also on LinkedIn, so find us and give us a follow and a, and a hey. Uh, otherwise, Otherwise, we hope you will come back and listen to us soon we'll have another episode out in a couple of weeks